0: Chapter twenty one of Seven Keys to Baldpate. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Seven Keys to Baldpate by Earl Dare Biggers. Chapter twenty one The Mayor is Welcomed Home. It was a good story the story which the mayor mac the professor and McGee read with varying emotions there in the smoking car the girl had served her employers well and mr McGee, as he read felt a thrill of pride in her evidently her employers had felt that same thrill for in the captions under the pictures in the headlines and in a first-page editorial none of which the girl had written the star spoke admiringly of its woman reporter who had done a man's work who had gone to baldpate Inn and had brought back a gigantic bribe-fund alone and unaided Indeed smiled mr. McGee to himself in the editorial on that first page the triumphant cry of the star arose to shatter its fellows in the heavens At last said the editor the long campaign which his paper alone of all the Rutan papers had waged against a corrupt city administration was brought to a successful close the victory was won. How had this been accomplished? Into the Star office had come rumors a few days back of the proposed payment of a big bribe at the inn on Baldpate Mountain. The paper had decided that one of its representatives must be on the ground. It had debated long whom to send. Miss Evelyn Rhodes, its well known special writer, had got the tip in question. She had pleaded to go to the inn. The editor, Considering her sex had sternly refused Then gradually he had been brought to see the wisdom of sending a girl rather than a man The sex of the former would put the guilty parties under surveillance off guard So miss rose was dispatched to the inn here was her story It convicted Cargum, beyond a doubt the very money offered as a bribe was now in the hands of the star editor and would be turned over to Prosecutor Drayton at his request. All this under the disquieting title, Prison Stripes for the Mayor. The girl's story told how, with one companion, she had gone to Upper Asquewan Falls. There was no mention of the station waiting room, nor of the tears shed therein on a certain evening, Mr. McGee noted. She had reached the inn on the morning of the day when the combination was to be phoned. Bland was already there. Shortly after came the mayor and Max. "'You got to get me out of this,' McGee heard Max pleading over Cargan's shoulder. "'Keep still,' replied the mayor roughly. He was reading his copy of The Star with keen interest now. "'I've done your dirty work for years,' whined Max. "'Who puts on the rubber shoes and sneaks up dark alleys "'hunting votes among the garbage "'while you do the old glory stunt on Main Street?' "'I do.' You've got to get me out of this it may mean jail. I couldn't stand that I'd die a Horrible parody of a man's real fear was in his face The mayor shook himself as though he would be rid forever of the coward hanging on his arm Hush up can't you he said I'll see you through you've got to Lou max wailed miss rhodes story went on to tell how hayden refused to phone the combination how the mayor and max dynamited the safe and secured the precious package only to lose it in another moment to a still different contingent at the inn how hayden had come of his suicide when he found that his actions were in danger of exposure a bitter smile for kendrick in that reflected magee and how finally through a strange series of accidents The money came into the hands of the writer for the star These accidents were not given in detail an Amusing feature of the whole affair said miss Evelyn Rhodes was the presence at the Inn of mr. William Hallowell McGee the New York writer of light fiction who had come there to escape the Distractions of a great city and to work in the solitude and who immediately on his arrival became involved in the surprising drama of Baldpate i'm an amusing feature reflected mcgee mr mcgee continued miss rhodes will doubtless be one of the state's chief witnesses when the case against cargan comes to trial as will also professor thaddeus bolton holder of the crandall chair of comparative literature at Rutan university and mr david kendrick formerly of the suburban but who retired six years ago to take up his residence abroad The latter two went to the inn to represent Prosecutor Drayton and made every effort in their power to secure the package of money from the reporter, from the Star, not knowing her connection with the affair. "'Well, Mr. Magee?' asked Professor Bolton, laying down the paper which he had been perusing at a distance of about an inch from his nose. "'Once again, Professor,' laughed Magee, "'reporters have entered your life.' The old man sighed. It was very kind of her he said not to mention that I was the person who compared blondes of the peroxide variety with suffragettes Others will not be so kind the matter will be resurrected and used against me at the trial I'm sure a plucky girl mr. McGee a very plucky girl how times do change When I was young girls of her age would scarcely have thought of venturing forth into the highways on such perilous missions I congratulate you you showed unusual perception you deserve a great reward the young lady's favor let us say you have got to get me out of this Max was still telling the mayor For God's sake cried cargan shut up and let me think he sat for a moment staring at one place His face still lacking all emotion, but his eyes a trifle narrower than before You haven't got me yet He cried, standing up. By the eternal, I'll fight to the last ditch and I'll win. I'll show Drayton he can't play this game on me. I'll show the star that dirty sheet has hounded me for years. I'll put it out of business and I'll send the reformers howling into their alleys, sick of the fuss they started themselves. Perhaps, said Professor Bolton, but only after the fight of your life, Cargan. I'm ready for it, said Cargan. I ain't down and out yet but to think a woman a little bit of a girl i could have put in my pocket it's all a big joke i'll beat them i'll show them the game's far from played out i'll win and if i don't he crumbled suddenly into his seat his eyes on that unpleasant line about prison strikes for the mayor for an instant it seemed as though his fight was irrevocably lost and he knew it Lines of age appeared to creep from out of the fat folds of his face and stand mockingly there He looked a beaten man If I don't he stammered pitifully well they sent him to an island at the end The reformers got Napoleon at the last I won't be alone in that At this unexpected sight of weakness in his hero Mr.. Max set up a renewed babble of fear at his side the train was in the Reuton suburbs now. At a neat little station, it slowed down to a stop, and a florid policeman entered the smoking car. Cargan looked up. Hello, Dan, he said. His voice was lifeless. The old-time ring was gone. The policeman removed his helmet and shifted it nervously. I thought I'd tell you, Mr. Cargan, he said. I thought I'd warn you. You'd better get off here. There's a big crowd in the station at Reuton they're waiting for you sir they've heard you're on this train this lying newspaper mr cargan it's been telling tales i guess you know about that there's a big mob you better get off here sir and go downtown on a car if the mighty cargan had looked limp and beaten for a moment he looked that way no more he stood up and his head seemed almost to touch the roof of the car over that big patrolman he towered his eyes were cold and hard again his lips curved in the smile of the master and why he bellowed should I get off here tell me that Dan Well, sir replied the embarrassed copper they're ugly. There's no telling what they might do. It's a bad mob This newspaper has stirred em up Ugly are they sneered Cargan ever seen the bunch. I would go out of my way for Dan. I meant it all right, sir said Dan as a friend to a man who's been a friend to me no I never saw you afraid of any bunch yet but this this replied cargan is the same old bunch the same lily-livered crowd that i've seen in the street since i laid the first paving stone under myself in ninety one afraid of them hell i'd walk through an anthill as scared as i would through that mob thanks for telling me dan but jim cargan won't be in the mollycoddle class for a century or two yet yes sir said the patrolman admiringly. He hurried out of the car, and the mayor turned to find Lou Max, pale and fearful by his side. "'What ails you now?' he asked. "'I'm afraid,' cried Max. "'Did you hear what he said? A mob! I saw a mob once, never again for me!' He tried to smile, to part it off as a pleasant jest, but he had to wet his lips with his tongue before he could go on. "'Come on, Jim!' get off here don't be a fool the train began to move get off yourself you coward sneered cargan oh i know you it doesn't take much to make your stomach shrink get off max eagerly seized his hat and bag i will if you don't mind he said see you later at charlie's and in a flash of tawdry attire he was gone the mayor of Ruton no longer sat limp in his chair a brief moment of seeming surrender was put behind for ever he walked the aisle of the car fire in his eyes battle in his heart so they're waiting for me eh he said aloud waiting for jim Cargan. now ain't it nice of them to come and meet their mare? mr magee and the professor went into the day for their baggage mrs norton motioned to the former well she said you know now i suppose and it didn't do you no harm to wait I sure am glad this to-do is all over and that child is safe and i hope you'll remember what i said it ain't no work for a woman no how what with the shooting and the late hours your words said mr magee are engraven on my heart he proceeded to gather her baggage with his own and was thus engaged when kendrick came up the shadow of his discovery in the smoking car an hour before Still haunted his sunken eyes, but his lips were half smiling with the new joy of living that had come to him Mr.. McGee he began I hardly need mention that the terrible thing which happened in there is between you and me and the man who's dead No one must know least of all the girl who is to become my wife It would embitter her whole life as it has mine Don't say that McGee pleaded you will forget in time. I'm sure And you may trust me. I had forgotten already and indeed he had on the instant when his eyes fell upon the root and star Miss Thornhill approached her dark smiling eyes on McGee Kendrick looked at her proudly and spoke suddenly determinedly You're right. I will forget she shall help me Mr.. McGee said the girl. I'm so pleased at the splendid end to your impulsive philanthropy I just knew the adventure couldn't have anything but a happy ending it was so full of youth and faith and and Charity or its synonym this mustn't be good-bye. You must come and see me come and see us all I shall be happy to answered McGee sincerely It will always be a matter of regret to me that I was not able to serve you also on Baldpate Mountain But out of it you came with something more precious than fine gold And that shall be my consolation let it be smiled Myra Thornhill as it is surely mine goodbye and good luck whispered McGee as he took Kendrick's hand over his shoulder as he passed to the platform he saw them look into each other's eyes and he felt that the memory of the Admiral's game would in time cease to haunt David Kendrick a shadow had fallen upon the train the shadow of the huge Ruton station in the half-light on the platform mr McGee encountered the mayor of Ruton. Above the lessening roar of the train there sounded ahead of them the voices of men in turmoil and riot Mr.. Cargan turned upon McGee a face as placid and dispassionate as that of one who enters an apple orchard in May The boys he smiled grimly welcoming me home Then the train came to a stop and Mr. McGee looked down into a great array of faces and heard, for the first time, the low, unceasing rumble of an angry mob. Afterwards, he marvelled at that constant guttural roar, how it went on and on, humming like a tune, never stopping, disconnected quite from the occasional shrill or heavy voices that rang out in distinguishable words. The mayor looked coolly down into those upturned faces. He listened a moment to the rumble of a thousand throats then he took off his derby with a satiric politeness Glad to see one and all he cried and now above the mutterings angry words could be heard. That's him That's two hundred thousand dollar cargo. How's the weather on bold pate? and other sarcastic flings? Then a fashion of derisive cat calls came and went after which here and there Voices spoke of ropes, of tar and feathers, and still the mayor smiled as one for whom the orchard gate swung open in May. A squad of policemen who had entered the car from the rear forced their way out onto the platform. "'Want us to see you through the crowd, Mr. Cargan?' the lieutenant asked. New hoots and cries ascended to the station rafters. "'Who pays the police? We do. Who owns them?' Cargan Thus question and answer were banded back and forth Again a voice demanded in strident tones the ignominious tar and feathers Jim Cargan had not risen from the slums to be the master of his town without a keen sense of the theatric He ordered the police back into the car and stay there he demanded the lieutenant demurred one look from the mayor sent him scurrying Mr. Cargan took from his pocket a big cigar and calmly lit it Some of them guys out there he remarked to McGee belong to the Sunday school crowd pretty actions for them pillars of the church howling like beasts and Still like that of the beast the mutter of the mob went on now in an undertone now louder and Still that voice that had first pled for tar and feathers pled still for feathers and tar And here a group preferred the rope. And towards them, with the bland smile of a child on his great face, his cigar tilted at one angle, his derby at another, the mayor of Routon walked unflinchingly. The roar became mad, defiant, but Cargan stepped forward boldly. Now he reached the leaders of the mob. He pushed his way in among them, smiling but determined. They closed in on him. A little man got firmly in his path. He took the little man by the shoulders and stood him aside with some friendly word And now he was past ten rows or more of them on his way through and the crowd began to scurry away They scampered like ants clawing at one another's backs to make a path and So finally between two rows of them the mayor of Rutan went his way triumphantly Somewhere on the edge of the crowd an admiring voice spoke hello Jim the mayor waved his hand the rumble of their voices ceased at last Jim Cargan was still master of the city Say what you will remarked mr. McGee to the professor as they stood together on the platform of the car there goes a man He did not wait to hear the professor's answer for he saw the girl of the upper Asquan station Standing on a baggage truck far to the left of the mob wave to him over their heads Eagerly he fought his way to her side it was a hard fight The crowd would not part for him as it had parted for the man who owned the city End of chapter 21